0: you can live out your master chef dreams when you find a professional on Angie
1: to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Issa as host Issa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a
1: phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be, until thou art remotely, thou shalt find here no water to drink, thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own, into our house enter thou not, through
2: our fence, break through, thou not, we are protected, though we may be frightened, our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelle's. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. I'm Lulu. Happy New Year. Recording this in 2023, but by the time it drops, it's 2024.
0: Ask me how I feel about it later.
2: <laughs> uh, apologies for my voice. Still got this stupid whatever it is.
0: It's weird.
2: It's a, it's a hanger on Yeah, I've man. I've had it like a, oh, two weeks almost now. I've um, had a
0: small version of it where it's like Dan's is like a... Feels like, looks like more of like a traditional head cold. Yeah. Mine is like, I don't know. I slept for 12 hours last night. Woke up and I was like, woo, let's go. And now I'm like, am I going to throw up any second? I don't know what's happening right now.
2: Fun times.
0: Very cool. Very cool.
2: Um, We're going to get right into it today. Uh, What fan submitted horror stories are you uh, sharing to start the new year?
0: Yeah, I have two juicy tales this week. Uh, My first takes us to Warren, Massachusetts. Yeah. About a haunted house there. Uh, And leads me to wonder, Ed and Lorraine Warren... Like, is Warren, Massachusetts, was it named after them?
2: No. I think, well, I think I think Warren predates them by quite a bit, I would guess.
0: Probably. I didn't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> now, like, that's how foggy my brain is, because in the story, mm-hmm. they make mention of when the town was established. But my brain can't make connections I'm, I'm, right I, now.
2: I, I, don't, I can't pull it off out of my butt, but I, I bet it's a couple hundred years ago <laughs> is when the town was established.
0: Oh, wow. The chick is really kicking off the new year strong. Uh, and then my uh, my second story is a bizarre possible sighting of something in the woods during a, okay. a, a camping a failed camping trip
2: i like it i like it well good i hope you do i'm, I'm cracking up about you thinking that warren massachusetts was named <laughs> after ed warren i want
0: you to know that like I they, read... also,
2: they also didn't live in massachusetts they lived in connecticut
0: okay listen that is what my, that's well first of all one i guess now i just proved once again that i'm faking it here <laughs> <laughs> and two that tells you where my brain is at like i read yeah. this story four times like putting it together yeah. for the show and at the end says something about, like, Warren was established in, like, the 1600s. And still, I was like, I wonder if it's named after Ed and the right Well, maybe they're vampires. What the fuck? Uh,
2: <laughs> okay, so if you uh, if you want to get your fan story uh, on the show, you can send it to info at deathpodcast.com <laughs> Excited to get a lot more of those in 2024.
0: Yes, yes. And they get pilfered through and sorted. And, and uh, yeah, we try to get to as many as
2: possible. Uh, I'll be sharing my standard, two today. The first involves a man working alone wishing he was not alone in a liquor store during a blizzard. And then suddenly he is not alone and wishes he was alone. I won't say any more about that. Uh, our uh, It's our first haunted liquor store location, I believe. And the next, our first haunted airport story.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, I'll share a bit of lore from a few supposedly haunted airports around the world before telling a modern encounter tale set in Fresno, California's Fresno Yosemite Airport.
0: I didn't even know that was an airport.
2: Yeah. International Airport, technically. Uh, you better get, you better get socked and cozied up. There's no setup to this first story. We'll just jump right in.
0: I have to do a tricky ab move okay. to show off these socks. <sighs> wait, wait for it, wait for it. Did I do it? Did I do it, Tyler? Did I get it? A
2: little higher, a little higher. Higher! There okay. you go. There you go. Uh, oh. oh. <laughs> Where's the sock cam?
0: We have to zoom in because these are a bottom pair. They say.
2: Oh. They say,
0: "Bitch, please, I'm a badass unicorn." All right. Okay. okay.
2: Let's okay. do it. Now we're ready. Ready. Time now for the tale of the man on the screen. It was late, it was dark, and I was irritated. I looked at the shitty digital clock my boss, whose name I'll refrain from using, kept on the counter. It blinked stupidly at me, 10.47 p.m. God damn it. Two hours and 13 minutes to go. Two hours and 13 minutes holed up in a dingy, dusty, congested liquor store. Two hours and 13 minutes until my cousin would come save me from this shithole and take me to our only slightly less of a shithole apartment. But until then, two hours and 13 minutes of solitude because there was no fucking way anyone was going to suffer through the East Coast blizzard raging that night to get a bottle of UV blue, which was our big sale of the week. Not a single college kid from the next town over had come in that night with sweaty dollar bills and their sweaty hands and an ID that was probably fake to get our cheapest bottle of wine for their fraternity formal dates. The storm was that bad. Their dates, I guess, would have to settle for the leftover Bud Light they'd bought in droves last weekend. I looked at the clock. 10.59 p.m. Fuck. I tried to connect my phone to the one speaker haphazardly hitched to the wall above the ciders, but the Bluetooth refused to link. Infuriating. I decided to play some music anyway, but for some reason the dim, muffled sound emanating from my broken iPhone 11, mixed with the howl of the storm and the buzz of the fluorescence just made for the most depressing noise I'd ever heard. Defeated, I turned the music off. The wind sounded like someone wailing in agony, and the fluorescents kept on buzzing. I looked up into the maddening, half-flickering light fixtures and counted seven dead moths. Was I supposed to clean those out? Not in my job description, I decided. I stood there in front of the checkout counter, listening to the storm and staring at the congregation of dead moths, wondering how many millions of other moth corpses there must be suspended and all the other old fluorescent lights lighting up other shitty liquor stores around America, Until I realized how weird it was to be standing alone, listening to a blizzard, and pondering the decomposition cycle of random insects. I walked back behind the counter and opened Instagram. Fuck, the Wi-Fi was down. And the cinder block building made it impossible for me to consistently use any cellular data. I checked the stupid digital clock again. 11.03 p.m. There was no way I was going to spend the next hour and 57 minutes in complete isolation without even the company of strangers online to get me through the rest of my shift and that's when it started. While staring angrily at my phone behind the counter, I thought I heard, or guess thought I felt, someone come in. But when I looked up, the store was still empty, and I brushed it off as a trick of the old building. Plus, I hadn't heard the irritating bells strung above the entrance ring like it always does when a customer walks in. I dismissed the feeling and headed for the break room to restart the Wi-Fi router. "'I came out from behind the cash register, "'which, if you entered the store from the front door, "'was situated on the wall to your far right "'and headed for the staff room on the other side. "'As I was walking past the tinsel-covered display "'of fireball cinnamon whiskey my coworker "'had fashioned into the shape of a Christmas tree, "'something caught my eye. "'Some snow. "'Inside the store. "'Down on the mat that laid on top of the carpet "'right in front of the glass door, "'looking exactly like someone had tracked it inside "'on the bottom of their boots. "'But no one had come in, had they?' Hello? I could feel how dumb I sounded when I said it, every, like every victim in every horror movie ever. But I didn't know what else to say. I surveyed the store. I'm a fairly tall guy and could see over all the shelves, which we don't have that many of. And I didn't see anyone. Or anything. Someone here? Can I help you find something? That all sounded even worse than, hello? But I was at a loss for what else to say. I think sometimes when your brain doesn't know how to comprehend the unidentifiable fear it's faced with, it just kind of goes on autopilot. Even though some part of me knew that what I should probably have done right then and there was to get the fuck out, I just went to the staff room to fix the Wi-Fi. I didn't even think, oh, it was probably me who made the footprints, or it was probably just a trick of the light. I didn't think anything at all. just kept walking. I guess what freaked me out didn't seem real enough or fully formed enough for me to call 911 or abandon my shift completely so I just did the next best thing and ignored it or at least tried to ignore it. I walked briskly inside the staff room which was right next to the refrigerator with all of our ciders and yanked the door shut behind me and now I was engulfed by darkness. With shaky hands I felt around the wall for the light switch and flicked it on but nothing happened. I flicked it again and again. As if thinking that if I did that enough times, the obviously dead light bulb would magically start working again. On. Off. On. Off. On. Off. On. Off. On. Off. Fuck. Suddenly I was aware of how loud the sound of the light switch flicking on and off was and how quiet the rest of the store had become. It was silent. And I was in the dark. At least it wasn't completely dark. My eyes were already adjusting to the little bit of light coming from an ancient computer monitor displaying the live security feed from inside the store. Something about that feed was giving me goosebumps. It was there to make me feel better, but it wasn't. Panic was starting to set in. I started to worry that I was going to have some sort of panic attack or something. I'd never started to feel quite like that before. It didn't help that the staff room was actually just a repurposed storage closet. With a minuscule desk, an uncomfortable stool, and a few shelves of miscellaneous objects like a basket of paper clips and a linty sweatshirt and rolls of receipt paper and a half full Gatorade bottle. I felt claustrophobic in that tiny space. Instead of feeling relieved that I'd maybe escaped something outside, I felt like I'd trapped myself. I tried to breathe how an ex girlfriend of mine once taught me to do when you feel all worked up and want to calm down in and out. In and out. In and out. What the fuck? I nearly screamed. There was someone in the store. On the computer monitor, the live footage from the camera behind the cash register showed a man standing perfectly still directly in front of the counter, but facing the other back half of the store. Facing the staff room. The footage was grainy, but I could make out that he was tall, at least a foot and a half taller than our five foot shelving units. And that he must have been older because the top of his head appeared to be bald with a halo of wispy white around the perimeter. I sucked in my breath. I felt like he was staring directly at me through the, wall, through the wall and refrigerator that separated us and into the shitty little staff room. And he was just standing there. After what felt like hours of being completely motionless, we both stayed so still for such a long time, the man slowly began to tilt his head to the left. And he just kept tilting and tilting and tilting, going from looking like he was curious about something to looking like his neck was broken. He froze again when his neck was bent at a horrible 90-degree angle, like someone who had just been hanged. And the whole time, he kept staring in the direction of the staff room. Lightly, I placed my hand on the computer mouse. I needed to see his face. I selected the drop-down menu on the screen, and five options appeared. Camera 1, cash register. Camera 2, entrance. Camera 3, back. Camera 4, staff room. Camera 5, parking lot. I selected camera 3. The monitor went dark for an agonizing second, and I braced myself to see what the hell this creep looked like. When the screen lit up again, it was showing footage from the camera above the outside of the staff room door. From that angle, I should have been able to get a good look at the front of this guy, but I didn't. He was now turned in the opposite direction, facing the cash register, and he was closer. Somehow, in the three seconds it had taken me to switch the feed, he had moved from right in front of the counter to halfway down the wine aisle and rotated 180 degrees. I felt like dry heaving. I switched the monitor back to camera one. Now I had to cover my mouth to keep from screaming or vomiting. I wasn't sure which. Again, on screen, all I saw was his back but now he was standing directly outside the entrance to the staff room and he still wasn't moving. How the hell does someone move that fast around the store but anytime I'm actually looking at them, they're not moving at all? They don't, my mind answered. Someone doesn't do that because that's not possible. Something does that. I think I started to cry or whimper or some sort of silent guttural sob. I'd never felt so scared before in my life. It felt impossible to breathe. Every part of my body shaking with terror felt like my lungs were being squeezed in someone's fist. I couldn't turn to look at the door behind me, but I could feel his presence on the other side of it. And I could see him on the screen. I stared so hard at the computer pixels that made up the back of his head that my eyes started to blur. Because of the video lag, I heard him try to open the door before I saw him do it on the screen. The forceful clanking of the doorknob being violently jostled filled every part of the room and every part of my soul. The dull sound of the metal lock bracing against his force, filling my chest with dread. The door started to tremble, and I knew he was about to get in. Please stop! Please! I begged the screen. And, well, he did. The sound ceased, and his hand fell back to his side. I stared, wide-eyed at the monitor, paralyzed. While his body stayed stiffly facing the staff room door, his head began to slowly turn back around towards the camera. I saw his side profile first. He was smiling. His eyes were wide, even in the pixelated screen. I could see they looked like they were affixed in a perpetual state of bulging out of his head. But his smile, that was the worst part His perverse, unnatural smile Plastered across his face And his head just kept on turning I thought it would just keep turning around And around and around until his head popped off But suddenly, ring ring I let out a startled scream and jerked my head up My heart felt like it was about to pound out of my chest The bell strung above the entrance had rung Which meant a customer must have walked in I looked back down at the monitor The man was gone On the screen I could see a familiar face walk into view My cousin, there to pick me up Hello! I heard him bellow through the wall Almost tripping over myself I grabbed my phone off the floor where it had fallen at some point And stumbled out of the staff room I'm here! I yelled Oh, hey, he said casually But I was already walking past him and almost out the door Turning off all the lights on my way I heard him jogging behind me Whoa, hey, what's the rush? Everything okay? Don't you need to lock up or something? I didn't respond but turned back around and locked the door As fast as I've ever locked it Praying that creepy thing didn't pop back up in front of me And maybe grab me, pull me into the dark store And do God knows what still not talking, I zipped towards the passenger side of his truck, which he had left running and hopped into the seat. I had my wallet in my pocket, thank God, but I'd left my jacket and gloves in the store. Fuck that, I thought. I could live without him. Once my cousin was in the driver's seat, he turned to look at me with the most concern I've ever seen him exhibit. Dude, is everything okay? I'm quitting, was all I said. He just shrugged. As we started to slowly pull away on the icy pavement, I glanced at the receding view of the liquor store in the rearview mirror, and I swear I saw that son of a bitch again. Standing there at the front entrance, his back to me, in the parking lot facing the inside of the store, standing completely still, and then his head started to turn. Before I could see his face, one last time, my cousin took a left out of the parking lot onto the main road, and I lost him. Hopefully, I lost him for good.
0: Uh. What is that? That's like such a common uh, trope of the the smile, mm-hmm. the giant plastered ear to ear, like just too big, too toothy, too, uh-huh. too everything.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. a Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: God! And then the neck bend. Doot, doot, doot,
2: doot. I really liked uh, uh, a detail in the story that I can't think of a comparison to, where you know this, this security camera thing, where you're checking these different. Yeah, views. yeah. And I liked how he would move around, but consistently his back would be to the camera, even when it shouldn't be. Like he always was uh, flipped around in a place where you couldn't see his face. And then that slow reveal of like twisting the head, that that would like add an element of like menace or something. It instantly gives me chills. Mm It's a very, very creepy visual.
0: Yeah. And I first... The
2: story was very visual.
0: Yeah. Yes. And very well written. Just like you could really immerse yourself in it. Uh, We have had some like security footage things like yeah. you know here and there. And that is in, in any movie, even when it's not like a horror movie, even when it's just like a, a standard like suspense thriller. Yeah. When there's uh security footage, you just are always bracing. You're like, yeah. oh, here it comes, here it comes. And you yeah. just but you don't know what it is going to be yeah. until ugh, ugh, there's just so many, so many creep factors. Have-
2: and now I have no pics that that are attached to the story, but I do have a few picks from a a similar story in some ways okay so it's almost like a little extra bonus story in these pictures okay i just thought that was cool when i was looking around for like pictures involving like security camera footage or camera footage of ghosts yeah
0: um
2: so this first picture is a a pennsylvania woman amanda pitt she says she saw a ghost in her kitchen in 2022 see that thing right there coming up the stairs yes okay so this next picture this is wait so that's real that's what she says. And there's a zoomed up photo in this next one. So this next looks picture. looks like
0: fucking Pennywise. What the fuck is that?
2: I know. Check out this zoomed uh, in I picture. I don't know
0: that I want to.
2: This is Amanda. And then. Oh my God. It's like a lady holding a baby almost.
0: Yeah. Just like going upstairs to like do some. Oh uh-huh. my God. Uh.
2: So the 34 year old woman told a journalist for the mirror that she heard heavy footsteps. Woke her up in her home at 340 AM, October 21st of 2022. When she looked at the security camera, she saw that thing standing in the doorway of her kitchen. Get the fuck out. Yee. Added that uh, quote, I couldn't get back to sleep. I laid there- Yeah, no shit. I laid there, turned on the TV because I was scared. I kept going back to the camera, but I couldn't see it anymore. So I thought maybe I was seeing things. The next morning, I didn't even know what to make of it. She also said that things have happened here before. The people who lived here before didn't live here very long, but we never found out why. She said that- That is
0: so scary. That
2: is so creepy. Yeah, she said that she and her family moved into the home in 2020- Pitts said that she started regularly receiving notifications on her phone from the security feed, even when no one was home, said the family also regularly heard strange noises around the house, has watched uh, stuff like a door open on its own in the security camera footage, and more. Uh, I feel so sick. When the article was published November 8th, 2022, she was on the edge of trying to sell the place and get out.
0: Oh, God. I mean, that is for sure something.
2: I, I, I know, like, she's either like good with Photoshop, but it doesn't even feel Photoshop, especially Tyler, Can you go back to the first photo? Like, this is, if this is a Photoshop, this is a really good one.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's actually the second photo that does it for me because if you were going to Photoshop that second photo, you would do a better job. Like, it's not, it's just so pixelated and granule and difficult to make out. This is killing me right now because just wait until you hear my first story
2: okay, okay. Th- there
0: were so many things i was like what are you in my head right now oh boy
2: uh, yeah, yeah. oh
0: boy all right man those are scary pictures
2: yeah I, yeah i felt like I, I was so happy to find that picture just uh, attached to a little article yeah because i was like oh this is like a little extra story snuck in yeah a yeah, little yeah, more a little yeah, more yeah. spooks to start
0: 2024
2: oh man um do you feel ready to move on to some haunted airports now oh
0: I'm only okay with it because we're not traveling a bunch this year.
2: Before we head around the world to a few airports, time for a quick in-between story sponsor break.
0: You can live out your MasterChef dreams
1: when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Thanks for listening to our sponsor deals, Creeps and Peepers. Okay, now
2: for some haunted airport lore from around the world before sharing a creepy encounter from Fresno. When I think about haunted places, I find myself typically thinking about places that are not full of people. Not anymore, at least. Right? Like an old dilapidated empty house, an abandoned insane asylum. Or I'll think of places that are dark and hidden, such as a tunnel or a windowless basement. What I don't usually think about is a place that's bustling and brightly lit. I also don't think about places that are well-maintained and a bit maybe corporate-looking. But those places uh, probably have their fair share of paranormal activity as well. After all, we spend so much of our lives in places like doctor's offices, malls, government buildings, schools, office complexes, etc. All of these places see so many souls passing through them that it seems impossible that nothing not of this world would ever choose to inhabit them. One place we've never explored here, to my recollection, is a place where perhaps the most souls pass through uh, any of our modern structures, airports. Why does an airport almost never show up in a ghost story? Why do they seem like just about the least likely place to be haunted? When I think of an airport, and I've spent so much of my life in many of them, I can't ever recall feeling creeped out in some kind of paranormal way. I think of very brightly lit areas, not full of strange shadows. I picture constant movement, passengers, flight crews, all manner of airport employees busting around, even in the middle of the night. But now after coming across this claim, when I think of the sheer number of people that pass through, many bound to be carrying their own dark secrets and histories, it makes sense how an airport could become a very haunted place. And there are supposedly many haunted airports around the world. One is the Savannah-Hilton Head International Airport, second busiest in Georgia, Amidst the very much of this world, hustle and bustle and commotion, pilots, crew, airport staff, passengers alike, have all noticed some extra activity for years and talked about strange and hard-to-explain events. For example, if you land after sundown, there's supposedly a chance that two ghosts will manifest themselves into view along the north side of the runway. This could be because there are two graves embedded into the airport's runway. What? The graves of Richard and Catherine Dotson, former owners of the land where the airport now stands. When their family sold the land to the government long, long ago, they did so with the provision that Richard and Catherine's final resting place would not be disturbed, per their final wishes. Used to be a cemetery, where the airport now sits, like a family, big family cemetery. Got it. And now uh, those two graves are the only ones that still remain underneath the runway. Sure. So now maybe they're not so happy that planes are literally taking off on their graves. Or maybe they just like watching planes land. Bangkok's uh, airport is also said to be haunted. In fact, it's considered to be one of the most heavily haunted spots in all of Thailand, which is quite an achievement for a place that only started operating in 2006. Since before it even opened, both ghost sightings and terrible accidents ascribed to malicious forces have been reported. Previous to the airport being built, the land where it now lies was known as Cobra Swamp, an ancient burial site. Right away when construction began, workers reported that something didn't feel right. And then some of them started to claim to witness an entity they began to call the blue man. In 2006, some news sites in Thailand started to publish articles about workers encountering an unquiet spirit with a blue face and a frail old man's body walking around the site. Some of these first reports were featured in an interview with squadron leader Panupong, former military commando who was training a staff of roughly a thousand airport security personnel. He did not doubt the claim, stating, I believe in this phenomenon. Then shortly after the initial reports, some workers would start to wonder if the blue man was capable of murder. Two airport workers died in a freak accidents, or fr- in freak accidents, and the night they died, strange footsteps were heard around the airport, as well as traditional music with no apparent source. Shortly following their deaths, Panupong said he was lucky to escape with his life after swerving to avoid hitting a woman holding a baby when she walked in front of his car, only to see her then vanish. The blue man apparently not the only spirit haunting the airport. A group of Thai Buddhist monks were brought in to perform an elaborate exorcism ritual. They would pray for nine straight weeks before the travel hub was declared safe from harmful spirits. While they prayed towards the end of their exorcism, the apparition of an elderly man appeared and staggered towards the monks before disappearing. Others present said this entity was the previously witnessed blue man. These are just two of many supposedly haunted airports, each with a multitude of paranormal claims. Next is an alleged encounter shared on a forum that comes from Fresno, California's little Fresno-Yosemite International Airport. Going back decades, there have been reports of people seen walking through the old terminal wall here. Others have spoken of seeing what appears to be an elderly man in the old control tower, peering out onto the field as if he's watching imaginary places take off and land. There's also been reports of disembodied voices and unexplained noises in the airport restaurant. And then there's this next claim. Time now for the tale of trouble getting home. I travel a lot for work. One of these trips brought me to the little city where I'd gone to college, Fresno. I still have a lot of friends around the area, including my old college roommate, who lives just a couple hours away up in the mountains in a house he had built a couple years ago when he retired. I hadn't seen Peter in ages. So I asked my wife if I could extend my trip to hang out for a couple of days, and she happily agreed, planning her own girls' trip for that time. I flew into Fresno, did the conference, and then rented a car to head into the mountains. It was a blast. After working hard in tech for two decades, Peter had retired young and built something between a compound and an amusement park for himself. A mountain paradise with two pools, skeet shooting range, and a private movie theater. Then the morning before I was supposed to leave, I got an email letting me know that my flight had been overbooked. Did I want a travel voucher? Normally, I would never even looked at the offer, but I was having so much fun with Peter, I figured, what was the harm? My new flight now departed at 6 a.m. the next day. A lot earlier than my original flight, but whatever. In return for the inconvenience, I got a $500 credit towards a future flight. Awesome. That would almost be enough to pay for me and my wife's flights if we decided to visit family or vacation over Christmas. When my alarm went off at half past midnight, after about only two hours of sleep, I got up, quickly put on my classic track pants and a sweatshirt travel outfit, and took off my rental car for the airport. With no traffic, I made it back a little faster than expected. I walked into the little airport that was pretty dead since it was first thing on a Tuesday morning. Not a real busy day to fly out of Fresno, apparently. To my relief, while almost everything was closed, the little bar there was open. Morning, I said to the bartender, a guy who looked to be in his fifties. After he took my order of Bloody Mary, he went back to his phone, the screen casting a blue glow over his face. I thought it was the only, I was the only customer when I first sat down. But then after downing about, my thir- about a third of my drink, I noticed there was someone else at the bar sitting directly across from me. It was a woman with, a l- with long dark hair thrown over her shoulder, concealing part of her face. I couldn't see much past the taps, but I could tell that she was dressed stylishly. White pants and a printed top. I wondered where she was headed. Was she going on vacation? Visiting family? That's when I noticed that she didn't seem to have a suitcase. As I looked at her, she suddenly sat up a troubled expression pulling at the corners of her mouth. Shit. I didn't want to be the kind of creepy guy, a married guy no less, who comes across like he's leering at women in public. So I looked away and focused back on my bloody Mary. But I kept thinking about her. There was just something about her that kept pulling me back. I've never believed in this, but she had an, an aura. It wasn't quite sadness, but something deeper, more permanent. I got the sense that she'd been in trouble for a long time, and that she hadn't been able to stay anywhere too long. Weird, right? I was building up this whole backstory about her in my head. I looked again, and now she was looking back at me. Whoa, her eyes. I don't know what I can des- how I can describe them accurately. Maybe it was a trick of the light, but they seemed almost entirely black. Either that or a deep, dark brown, but mostly pupil. And she didn't blink. How strong was that Bloody Mary, right? Her mouth opened, and I swore she mouthed, Help. You ready for the check? The bartender, bartender sidled up in front of me, completely obstructing my view of the woman immediately after I swear she mouthed help. I quickly handed the bartender my card, hoped he'd lumber away with it. Instead, he used one of those handheld card readers and passed me back my card in the receipt thanks thanks I said quickly trying to rush the interaction along by the time he moved away the woman was gone my first thought was she had somehow been trafficked God knows how many signs I've read at airports thinking talking about exactly that but that doesn't make any sense does it I mean this is a tiny regional airport not some bustling massive hub and the woman appeared to be alone and well dressed I mean most importantly I had her seen her with anyone no one just traffics themselves do they uneasily not knowing what else to do I made my way towards my gate which wasn't far away and on the way I popped into the men's room and then unlike any time I've ever been in an airport bathroom before or since I realized I was the only person in it that never happens at least not to me and the lights flickered off and on right when I walked in that's never happened to me before either also seemed a bit dimmer than they should have been as I walked over to a urinal I passed a big mirror and the face reflected back to me in the mirror was surprising my own of course but paler than I've ever seen myself look before eyes wider than normal and a troubled expression I never look like that I'm a pretty easygoing guy even in emergencies I tend to stay pretty calm but I didn't feel calm then my mind kept flashing on that lady from the bar she'd creep me out more than I first realized I guess I decided that now I didn't want to do my business at the urinal it felt like I'd be too uh, I don't know exposed I guess so I went into a stall locked the door and unzipped my pants as I peed the light started flickering again more intensely than before. On, off, on, off. What the fuck? Maybe just some faulty wiring, I tried to reassure myself. The place didn't look like it had been updated in years, and then I heard footsteps. Click, 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 click. If they would have sounded differently, I would have felt reassured, glad that some other passenger or employee was now also in the men's room, but I didn't feel relieved because it sounded to me like high heels. For half a second, I worried that I'd walked into the wrong bathroom, but then I remembered the urinals. I tucked my shirt back in, zipped up my pants, turned around, and then instead of exiting my stall, sat down and looked out the tiny crack between the stall door and the metal dividing frame around it. I saw black heels, white pants, printed top, long dark hair. It was her. Click, click, click. She stopped directly in front of my stall, stood perfectly still. That's when I noticed how eerily quiet it was, how quiet she was. I'd heard her heels, but now I couldn't hear her make any noise. Couldn't even hear her breathing In fact I couldn't hear anything Associated with a living human being No clothes rustling No mouth sounds No phone vibrating from a text message Or a push notification Just a click of those heels And then nothing I was so worried about her hearing me I held my breath Bang 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 Suddenly the whole room Felt like it was shaking But it was just the door rattling The lock almost becoming undone As fists pounded on it from outside There was no voice No sound Just banging Stop I screamed While still looking through the crack in the door And now I could see one of her eyes if her eyes had maybe been brown before they were now definitely pure black help me she suddenly screamed you have to help me you have to help me you have to help me bang 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 then I saw her quickly look to her left back towards the bathroom's entrance and then she was gone you okay in there? now a man's voice was yelling at me where'd she go? I yelled back where'd who go bud? I flung the door open papped out now nearly face to face with airport security she was still nowhere to be seen You didn't just see a woman banging on my stall door? White pants, dark hair? He looked at me like I was out of my mind. I worried that he smelled alcohol in my breath. Until I walked in, I'm fairly certain you're the only one in here, bud. Not knowing what else to do, feeling so confused, I felt almost dizzy. I quickly apologized, walked out of the restroom, headed back to the bar to see if she'd returned there. She hadn't, so I proceeded to examine the entirety of the small concourse. Then I stood near my gate. She was nowhere. I wanted to ask the bartender if he'd seen her. But that cop was keeping a close eye on me, which he kept doing until I boarded my flight. He also must have radioed to the gate agents or something as well, because the flight attendant seemed to pay real close attention to me. I did my best to act as right as rain, which was not easy. I was freaked out. What the hell had happened? I replayed all the events I just shared over and over in my head the entire way home. I did some research on my phone, wondering if there'd been any other reports of anyone seeing a scary-looking but also sad-looking strange woman in that area of the airport, but nothing turned up. There were reports of other ghost-like stuff coming from Fresno, but nothing even remotely like what I saw. Finally, a day or so later, the whole thing still really bothering me, I texted Peter. Hey man, weird question. But has there been any creepy stories to come out of the airport in Fresno? Maybe like a murder or something? Some guy working at the bar swore to me he saw a ghost of some woman in the bathroom. That's right, I wasn't willing to claim that sighting as my own. Still, still not ready to talk about it with anybody I actually know. Peter got back to me within the hour. Funny you should ask, dude. This morning, I had some contractors up to the house and overheard one of them telling this crazy story about how one of his cousins works for TSA. He said his cousin said that some family came to the area for vacation a few weeks ago. Mom, dad, two kids. They decided to go for a hike, weren't the most experienced hikers. Mom ended up falling down a steep ravine. They called and a helicopter was sent out, but by the time it got there, she was already dead. Apparently, at the airport, they were set to take her back in a big box just loaded underneath the plane but there was mix up and her coffin got misplaced in the airport's baggage system. And it took a whole week to get her shipped out. Oh. Can you imagine? It was a huge mess. Crazy, right? Maybe the whole debacle caused her, I don't know, ghost to get stuck at the airport. Who knows? I'm not a real expert when it comes to stuff like that. Hope you have a good week, man. It was awesome having you out. Let's do it again. To this day, that's the only clue I've ever gotten. Did that ghost, was that the ghost of that mom? Was she asking for help because of being stuck dying in some ravine? Does she haunt that airport because her coffin got lost there for a little while? Your guess is as good as mine.
0: That is so strange. Mm -hmm. So strange. And also, I've never really thought about airports being haunted, but like, of course they should be.
2: Yeah. When I actually looked into it, there was a whole bunch of lists online.
0: Well, yeah, it's like, I mean, people die everywhere. Mm -hmm. People die on planes. Like people have heart attacks on planes. Like there's, you know, like things just happen. And then obviously planes transport bodies i mean uh-huh. like we don't always know what's under underneath aside mm-hmm. from luggage and like things yeah. have to, i mean yeah things have to get moved
2: yep yeah right so
0: exactly. like that i just i didn't take time to think about the reality of that yeah that yeah. is so creepy and i was just thinking about like our tiny little regional spokane airport yeah i have been in that bathroom alone multiple times oh have you really yeah funny both of them like the upstairs and the downstairs yeah 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 and like uh and I mean, not like every time, but like definitely, because I. Yeah. it's a creepy feeling to be in a public bathroom with, you know, a dozen, 15 stalls, whatever, to be the only person. Yeah. Because I'll think like, I don't know, should I like go to like the furthest one away? The one closest to the door? Like I have weird, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, I don't, this feels strange. Uh, that poor guy.
2: Mm-hmm. That and would be so rattled.
0: So, yeah. And her like banging on his stall door. Uh-huh. And I bet security was watching him. Oh my God.
2: Uh huh. When he's like yelling in there, by himself, you know, uh, looking like he's by himself,
0: and then just like following him to the gate. I was just thinking about you looking like you. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, they would. You'd be on a few lists. <laughs> They'd
2: keep close eye on me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have
2: photos? I, have, I no pics were attached to the story, but um, I just want to show how cool is Bangkok's. It's a uh, Suwanapum Airport.
0: That's our airport.
2: Yeah, it's that, that's that new airport that was built on that old swamp. And uh, I have another, I mean, it's beautifully landscaped on the outside. And then this next one is a picture of inside one of the concourses. Beautiful art installations. Oh
0: my gosh, it's gorgeous.
2: Yeah, theres I looked at another picture. I got like lost for a little bit. There's all these cool stores. Let's go. Oh, there's little stuff like, um, I wish we had this over here, but one was like, uh, you know those orange juice machines some big restaurants have? Yes. Where it's like you see. Uh, the, like a chute. Uh-huh, the shoot, And almost like you see like the gerbil habit trails of oranges feeding it. Yeah. Um, they had like little, uh, just standalone machines like that where you just go get fresh squeezed juice yes. and things. Um, I love that. This next one is Savannah's little airport. Also pretty nice looking.
0: Oh, it's cute. It looks like an old train station
2: mm, for like a cute little regional airport. Yes. Very cute. This next How picture. Come our airport cannot oh, get its shit together. We're getting there. This next one, Fresno's airport. Uh, you know, it's cute little Sequoia replicas and stuff. Okay, okay. A little dated, but you know, and then there was Spokane's airport our closest airport, looking pretty much exactly the same as it did when I flew out of it first in 1997.
0: That's like a nice photo. I don't even I know.
2: know. I know. That's an, that's that, actually a nice that, photo. That,
0: that is not an accurate depiction of what it actually feels like in I know, because
2: when you walk her it's just one of the most outdated ugliest airports I've ever been.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't have like good light. Like there's just no redeeming. No. Oh, it's one redeeming quality is the rocking chairs. I
2: know they have like, like, like four or five rocking chairs.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. Uh-huh. But that's, there's, okay, there's a Burger King. Mm-hmm. These, these are your options for the entirety.
2: Of the A and B concourse section, like the big things. There's some little shitty bar thing that is like the shittiest little.
0: I mean, it's just not good.
2: Uh-huh. And then, and then there's so it's
0: like one random restaurant. I can't think of what it's called. Then there's, a uh, Burger King and a quiznos and a quiznos which I didn't even know still existed yeah. in any capacity I have not seen a quiznos outside yeah. of that airport in years
2: and then there's a Starbucks
0: the world's slowest Starbucks I it have really almost is. missed flights because of, and I'm talking like 35 minutes for an americano like
2: that's my drink I know this, this Starbucks is so consistently slow because I go to coffee shops all over it is the worst that when I like come home if I get flight early and want to get grab a coffee to you know fuel up for the rest of the day I will actually skip. I'll walk right past a Starbucks in the airport. Which would drive, seem like the most yep,
0: convenient choice. I'll drive
2: 10 minutes out of the way to go to one in Airway Heights a drive through because I will actually get home quicker Yep. than if I order one at the place right by where I'm walking and wait for it, even if it's dead.
0: And it's like, that airport is so strange. Like it's they, weird. okay, obviously they have TSA yeah. and they have TSA pre-check and you have the pre-check line. But so many times, like the pre-check's just, just not open. Just inexplicably, it's like, oh yeah, sorry. You're going to have to take all your stuff off. I'm like- but why, and, and I know that with TSA pre-check, you're not like guaranteed, but there's just no. no reason ever. And it happens so frequently that I'm like, what is going on? And there's yeah. plenty of people.
2: And, and it's the only airport too, for someone who's flown so much, they do this weird thing with the TSA the last year or two.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. What is that? Where,
2: um, they, you know, like put your phone, put your phone away. You got to put your phone inside your backpack, all of them you have to yeah, do. Yeah, normal. And put that, but you also have to show your uh, boarding pass to the TSA, like Again, once you get yeah, past, yeah. When, you, when you go through the little security line. Yeah,
0: can I re-explain it? That was a little bit confusing. So sure. you like go up and they're like, you know, scan your boarding yeah. pass or show your ID. It kind of changes. It feels like TSA is trying to figure out which is the more consistent way to do it. And yeah, then they give you that little like... Uh, they give you that little laminated thing that says you have TSA pre-check, which yeah. sometimes happens at other airports when it's like they're just merging you all into one line. Okay. Sure. But they're like, keep your phone out. So then you get to the point where you're putting your stuff on the conveyor belt and you have to show your phone, but then you have to like scramble to put it back in your shit and like right. nowhere else I've is saying like, here's the placard, but also you have to verify yeah. with your phone again. It's, it's the most Spokane thing.
2: Yeah. It's an odd little airport.
0: Oh, it's so strange. I hate that airport. Yeah. It drives me crazy. But, but. New terminal should be opening yeah. soon. So like, maybe maybe, be maybe it'll upgrading. be updated. I am desperate to see what food options are in that new terminal. And I swear on my life, if there is another
2: Quiznos in there, <laughs> I-, I would love to see it. If like inside the new terminal, they have like a radio shack
0: <laughs> blockbuster.
2: <laughs> well, I would go there just for
0: blockbuster. <laughs> and I mean, Listen, if they did like a cool retro thing, which they can't, like Spokane can't pull that off.
2: And then for the restaurants, like a TCBY yogurt.
0: Oh oh my God. Okay. When I was a kid, we used to go to... That's
2: done, I think, right? I have never seen one of those in forever.
0: I don't know. Uh, no. Wait, where did I see one in the... I mean, it might be gone now. Somewhere in the last like five years. Let me tell you why. Because when I was a kid, it was a treat. To go mm. get frozen yogurt from TCBY, and I would get vanilla yogurt uh-huh. with these little teeny tiny gummy bears and like this like strawberry syrup, and I loved it. And then somewhere in the last like five years, I saw one, and I was like, "Oh my god, I have to get it!" Funny, it is
2: okay. They're still around.
0: The most disgusting frozen yogurt I've ever had.
2: <laughs> it's the worst. Maybe I should have went with the Skippers reference. It's like it'd be a Radio Shack. I think that's like a local and a Skippers. Thing.
0: I don't know Skippers.
2: Skipper's was a, a a Northwest Alaska, maybe other places in the West Coast uh, chain of, yeah, just like seafood. Kind of like a, a Long John Silver's. Oh, okay. But focused on chowder. And it, it had delicious chowder. I would beg my mom. They would sell little cans of it, kind of like a Campbell soup can, so you could make it at home.
0: Is that like Ivar's now?
2: Uh, sort of like the… Yeah, it's like a pre-Ivar's, yeah. Okay. Mm, mm, yep. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was incredible.
0: I love, like, little regional restaurants that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like we have… Um, oh, my God. Boston, Boston Square Pies, something, something.
2: Boston Pizza. No. Boston Market.
0: No, I can't think of what it's.
2: Just Boston's.
0: Just Boston's. That that's also place? a place too. No, no, no. This is a Cleveland, like a, oh. a like a Midwest thing. Uh, I can't think of it, but the equivalent would be like, it was like a nicer version of Sherry's. Oh,
1: okay. Where like they
0: had all the pies, they had the best banana cream pie. Yeah. But I wonder if I went now, I think I would just be like, oh, this mm-hmm. isn't, you know, it's like that yeah. childhood kind of thing where you think it was so great. And then you go back and you're like, actually not great.
2: I like the regional one of Taco John's. Ta- taco John's is like- is I hear the, the laughing It's the out weirdest there. taco place. It, it's basically like, <laughs> like, they play this game on their menu. Like how many different quasi Mexican dishes can we add tater tots to? And so it'll be like- this, here's the-
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing the guys laugh out there because they know that this is so true. Here's the
2: burrito, but with so many tater tots. And then here's like some other like half- kind of mexican dish but with tater tots gosh
0: okay well my favorite regional fast food place that like i have never seen outside of ohio is mr hero and i for anybody that's in the cleveland area i don't even know if it exists outside of the cleveland area to be like i don't know if it's in columbus or cincinnati or anything it is the best fast food cheeseburger of my life the best waffle fries the best cheesy dip sauce i know it's so trashy and delicious
2: the regional one that i love around here Mm -hmm. brew cheese
0: Oh yeah, you do love a brew cheese. Mm-hmm. And now there's one in Post Falls.
2: Yep. A little cheesesteak. Yeah. And I you know what? People from Philly, I'm sure, would strongly disagree. Like I you know like Philly, like the birthplace of the, the city of cheesecakes, the Philly cheesecake. Philly uh, cheesesteak. Cheese steak. Oh, yes. I, I would say saying cheesecake. <laughs> Philly, che- <laughs> I Philly, Philly cheesecake. Meant to, I, I meant to say cheesesteak. Um, I would take a brew cheese cheesesteak. <laughs>
0: ah, this is like killing me in my head, just like this oh. giant cheesecake Over sandwich. a Philly
2: cheesecake. <laughs> Cheesecake would be so funny. Uh,
0: oh God, that's so
2: funny. Cheesecake sounds I don't know if it sounds horrible or delicious. I don't really care about cheesecake. It's oh like my fine. God. I my I am I'm so foggy brained right now too. I had the word separated in my head and I forgot that cheesecake is an actual <laughs> very common dish.
1: I and, was waiting for a Sonny Hollister reference. Ah <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cheesecake. No, I I was thinking of cheese and then cake <laughs> and then like as separate entities. And then I was picturing just like a, like a cake, like a regular cake, but Like a block of cheese that was just, which would just be cheese. Yeah, would just be cheese. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore.
0: Uh, this is a really strong start to 2024.
1: <laughs> you can I know. Visibly, visibly see the confusion in your face that you weren't connecting like cheesecake <laughs> and cheesesteak. You're like, no, no, there's a such thing as like a sandwich that's cheesecake. <laughs> it's <laughs> greasy and everything. Yeah,
0: I did make a cheesecake one year for our friend Darcy for her 40th birthday. Yeah. She doesn't really care about sweets. Nobody loves cheese more than Darcy. So Monroe and I made a cake that looked like a giant wheel of Gouda. Do you remember that?
1: Oh yeah, I do actually. It was
0: beautiful. Yep, that was great. a well-made cake, yeah. and it was—it was, in fact, a
2: cheese, a cheese cake. Cake. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll
0: settle in. Who's your Layla today?
2: I have this little black Layla. Black Layla. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, let's go to Warren, Massachusetts. That definitely is not named after the Warrens. <laughs> we're we're crushing twenty-four. I'm so into this. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, we're doing great.
0: I love it. All right. Obviously, I'm writing to you because I have a story of my own. COVID was a rough time for many, but for a little backstory, during the earlier end of 2020, I'd been going through it. I was turning 26. My life at this point had been entirely about my daughter and the boy I had managed to make her with. No shame or anger there. Her dad is and to this day continues to be a very good dad. At the end of the day, we simply failed to love one another the way we loved our child and then the and the life we both thought we were attempting to build. Sadly, We had gotten together when we were so young, when our child was born, and thus, we found ourselves more than a little unhappy. And so, I found myself looking for a new home. I had decided that I would part with my daughter's father as early as January of that year, and I was not about to change my mind. During the depths of COVID, it was odd, but real, that renting a home was not as affordable as buying a house. And by April of 2020, I had let my daughter's father know that I had been a pre-approved for a home loan. And I was looking at houses in order to get away from the house we had been renting for roughly a year and a half at the time. To be honest, I was jealous. I had found this little rental before my daughter started kindergarten. It was a beautiful white house with a red door and black shutters. It had a basement, two floors, an attic, and one and a half baths. I was in love with it. And he wasn't about to give it up. And I am the last person who wants to argue. So I didn't. In the time between April and October, I had viewed several houses, mostly dilapidated and not at all up to date. As my loan was an FHA loan, I was required to find a home that would meet certain requirements. In the few months that I had been searching, it started to feel hopeless. I had seen several houses in my price range. However, most of them were entirely outside of the realm of okay. Things at home were only getting more tense by the day. I just wanted to get out. I wanted more than anything to have a safe and beautiful home for me and my daughter to come home to. Early in September, I was scrolling along Zillow listings, and I happened upon a home in Warren, Massachusetts. In my desperation, I made an offer with barely more than a passing glance at the home as I needed to get the heck out of the situation I was in. To my surprise and extreme excitement... They accepted my offer, and they also accepted the repairs and corrections I required for the home to meet the requirements of my mortgage company and loan type. Within six weeks of the offer, I would be signing my loan papers and receiving the keys to my first home ever. I still remember that first week. I was packing and visiting the house to paint. I wanted to make my daughter's bedroom perfect. I met with ADT, and I got a home security system installed, as I was aware that as a single mother, I was going to be alone for the first time, and I wanted to know that my daughter and I were safe. I had gotten the house mostly together, and I was feeling good. However, I managed to miss some very early signs and possible red flags that in hindsight were easily paranormal. I promise you, I'm not a Darren. The very first night in my new home, I was alone. My daughter was with her father, and I was expecting to bring her home with me the next evening. I still worked in the same area that he lived in, where he lived in my favorite apartment, remember, which was where my daughter would continue her schooling as she was only in the first grade. I went to sleep that evening and awoke around 3 a.m. in a sweat. I've always been a very vivid dreamer, and I remember clearly my nightmare. In my dream, I was getting ready to leave my house for work. As I was getting ready to leave, I began to hear children laughing and playing and singing, like you would expect to hear on a playground. In my dream, I was mesmerized, standing, watching the children play, somehow aware even in my dream that these children were dead. The sounds of their laughter echoing in my ears slowly churned to the sound of screams and the crackling, roaring sounds of a powerful fire engulfing the children as they played. I felt helpless, my heart breaking at the thought of these children trapped for eternity. As far as I knew, there was not a school near my house at that time, though Warren was settled in the mid-1600s, so for all I know, there could have been a school there once. This was only my first night in my new home, and the reason I awoke so suddenly was the very last part of my dream. I had stood frozen in place, my car to my left, my keys in my hand like I would do many mornings getting ready to leave for work, when out of the fog, a child appeared directly before me, asking me solemnly to help them. This nightmare stuck with me for most of the day, but somehow was forgotten by that evening. I wish I could say that nightmares were where it all ended, but it would only increase from there. A month would pass, and for the most part, things were quiet and normal. I was still working from home on a hybrid schedule, taking advantage of my days at home to get things done like laundry and dishes during my lunch breaks. One evening, as I was driving back from work, which was roughly an hour commute, my phone started going off rapidly. My ADT alarm system was triggered to motion in my house. I received a call from the ADT team, who promptly dispatched local authorities to ensure that there was not an intruder in my home. When they arrived, there was in fact no one there. This happened on numerous occasions until finally for my own sanity and to avoid being fined, which I can't even say for sure is a thing, but nevertheless I feared, I disabled all of my alarms. More than a year had passed and I continued to experience nightmares that would wake me up at exactly 3.15 a.m. every time. I would have ear-shattering bouts of ringing. Things would fall when they had been securely on the walls. On the second floor, I would hear bangs and thumps, even when my daughter was not home. After enough time, I made peace with this until I started to get sick. I didn't want to leave my bed. If I did, it was just to go to the bathroom where more often than not, I was physically ill. I couldn't even eat. My daughter's father began to worry about me. During the winter of 2021, I would occasionally stay with him sleeping on the couch to avoid driving in horrible snowstorms. When I was there, I would be completely fine. The color would return to my face, my appetite would return, and the constant anxiety and stress I felt was completely alleviated. Around this time, I'd begun dating a new guy who I'm happy to say I'm now engaged to as I write this. He owned his own home in a town 30 minutes closer to my daughter and her dad. Once I started getting more comfortable with him, I would stay over more often. And once my daughter had gotten to know him better and some time had passed, he asked me to live with him. I wish I could say that my gut told me to GTFO of my own home. Honestly, sometimes it did, but I knew I couldn't afford to simply up and leave. I am beyond happy that my fiance came into my life when he did though. It took me more than a year from the time I moved in with him to sell my home. Once I did, I was entirely relieved of everything. The taunting entity was never identified, but I made my peace. Was it a malevolent spirit making me sick? I still don't know. As of today's date, as I write this, I want you to know some things I've learned. My home was built on land that is said to be cursed. No more than a few short miles from this home was another rather infamous incident, a demonic possession of a man named Maurice Theriot, this man was the basis for one of the many Ed and Lorraine Warren stories titled mm-hmm. Satan's Harvest, and he was mentioned in The Nun and hinted at in The Conjuring. The town of Warren had a rather long past with many demonic happenings. I can say I have not uh, I can say I have not delved in incredibly deep into the town's history, but from my own experiences and what little I have learned, all of course after buying my home, I would have to say I do believe there is something not right with that town. As a final fun fact, my home sale was finalized in January of 2023, and as of July 27th, the home was back up for sale again. Wow. Casey.
1: That's
2: a fast turnaround. Uh-huh. Seven <laughs> Real months? Real fast. Yeah. 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 Wait, uh-huh. it, it was purchased in July of 2020? She
0: sold it in January, and now it's back on the market oh, in January July. January to
2: July. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. that's fast. That's crazy.
0: That's fast because you close, you move in. <laughs> right. So now we're talking like you're not even settled until what? Like mid-February? So Man. like barely six months I know. of time in that house.
2: That fast? I mean, not that there couldn't be some other reason, but it does like reek of like paranormal stuff because totally. I'm just trying
0: to think like- Well, that combined with what she's telling right, us.
2: Right, right. Exactly. With the context because uh, yeah, seven months. I mean, you wouldn't, I just have a hard time thinking that would be a financial thing. No, because, because
0: you couldn't, you wouldn't have any equity.
2: Well, no, 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 I'm just, but like, forget about like building equity or not. I'm just thinking like, um, no, like financially the other way. Like oh, all, of a sudden oh. you, all, all of a sudden you can't afford to kind of like, you know, pay your mortgage because- right. I don't think you'd get qualified if you just didn't have enough money to like last even like 6 months. I don't know.
0: Well, actually I don't think that's true at all. I think Yeah, I guess
2: something could happen like right away as you're moving yeah, in I mean, or something. Yeah, I mean obviously like lose your job.
0: Lose your job, yeah, somebody yeah, in your okay. family that's gets true. really sick, sure. But just like adding So fast though. Yeah. adding the the pieces of the story together that we do know yeah. of like uh the location, uh that Casey is telling us that she learned mm-hmm. later that the area is very haunted, the land is cursed, like when you just, when you,
1: yeah, yeah the, the totality
0: whole, of everything, yeah. it's likely that, you know, and it took a long time to sell as well, which means people are probably walking into this house like, I don't oh, know, something uh, doesn't feel right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: And the whole thing about illness associated with, yeah, um, yeah, that we that has come up before, I think, but not much.
0: Not much. Here and there. Or <sighs> it's I think terrifying. I think more often it's like, you know, I didn't realize how bad I was feeling living in this place until yeah, like I moved. And then yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Like was it was it something there? Because within a month of being out of that place, like I'm eating again, I'm going out, I'm social, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we are
2: sensitive to our surroundings, just, you know, in non-paranormal ways. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're staying in like a brightly lit big windows. Yeah, not nice and kind of like clean and stuff. It's going to have a very different like feeling than it's like some dingy, you know, the windows are boarded up.
0: Oh my gosh. You know, like I'm not bad, seeing anywhere like, with the windows boarded
2: up. But you know, like, like, like how much your environment affects you, like just getting like natural light. Yeah. Or just feeling like you're in some place that's like safe and well maintained mm-hmm. compared to dilapidated. And then, yeah, just taking it a little further with uh, some kind of bad energy or spirit. Totally.
0: Even like our house, our house has great energy, but at yeah. this time of the year where it's so dark, it's hard to feel like motivated or, you know, I get up in the mornings, I turn all the lights on. Like I'm like trying every which way, open all the the curtains. If I remember yeah. to, I yeah. try to light a candle, like make coffee. So that, like the house smells inviting. Like uh-huh. it's yeah.
2: hard. I know. I've been so like, uh, I, I guess frustrated, but like the last few days, um, so excited to move into 2024, like get all this content going. Yeah. And then it's been so gloomy. I know. And then not feeling good. I'm like, God dang it. I know there's not I'm, even pretty snow on.
0: for like the I sun know. to bounce off of and give you some uh-huh. semblance of sunlight.
2: Yeah. you yeah. like, you
0: know, like bright because uh-huh. the snow can be really pretty and mm-hmm. there's, we don't even have that right now. It's a very gray winter.
2: I know. I've been trying to manufacture my own and in, in like uh, just inside I'm like, my brain is so foggy. I know. I'm having a fucking believable I'm like, what are
0: you saying right now? I don't even hear your words.
2: It's so frustrating. It's like, I hate those colds (laughs) that linger on where I'm like, I've been sleeping the most I've probably ever slept in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. These last two weeks. I'm like, come on. Enough. Enough. Get get it out of me.
0: I'm better already. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Well, you know what? Your body is telling you we're not quite ready to go. I guess not. You know why? Because it's not 2024 yet. Like, I think that's really what it's about. Yeah, totally.
2: It'll be a magical, like a switch getting thrown.
0: It'll like, you know. January 1st,
2: I'll ring. Yeah. Let's go. How will it be? Ring. It's cute. I'll be eating cheese, cake.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love you. All right. Ready for one more? Yeah. All right. Let's head out to the woods. This is such a strange story. Hello, Dan and Lindsay. This is a story that proves Lindsay has never been wiser than when she shouts, get the fuck out. (laughs) My husband and I love to camp and are never happier than when it's just us and our little two-man tent enjoying the beauty of nature. In the past 15 years, we've never experienced fear or the need to leave a camping situation. But that all changed during what we experienced during a simple overnight trip just a few hours from home. We decided to try a one night in the Huron National Forest near Ascouta, Michigan. Since it was February, we were prepared for it to be cold, and it was. The temperatures were between 22 and 45 degrees with about a foot of snow. At about 10 a.m., we pulled into the parking lot where we would leave our Jeep and hike into one of the dispersed camping sites. We were thrilled that no one else was there. It meant that we would have first pick of campsites. Leaving the parking lot, we started into the woods and noticed that other than deer and goose prints, there were no signs of activity. It wasn't long before we saw the O'Sable River below us on the left side of the trail. We chose a site far enough in for privacy, but not too far since carrying extra bedding and firewood for the night was going to take a number of trips. After making the four trips between the jeep and the campsite, we found we were plenty warm enough and quickly set up the tent and bedding and sat down to have a quick sandwich before heading out on the real hike. We spent the rest of the day hiking through the woods and along the upper riverbank, and we were surprised that we never saw or heard a single other person. The closest we came was when we saw a couple of pickup trucks driving on the road below us in the early afternoon. It was a beautiful, peaceful day, and we headed back to the campsite, ready to enjoy putting up our feet in front of a warm fire. After building the fire, my husband, who had been taking photos all day, continued to walk around the campsite taking more shots. After a while, he sat down beside me, and I noticed he had an odd look on his face, and his head was hanging low. When I asked him if he was feeling all right, he shook his head and said, I don't want to be here. I think we should be home. I was shocked. It was a strange thing for him to say. I asked if he was feeling sick, but he shook his head and just said, nope, I just want to go home. He told me, I don't have any reason to be sad, but I feel wrong and I don't want to be here. He started shivering, even though he was in front of a blazing fire. "'I was pretty worried. "'Was he suffering from hypothermia? "'Neither one of us had felt the cold "'because of our heavy clothing and the exercise, "'but this was unlike him. "'I asked him if he thought that if that was the problem "'because if so, he could walk to the Jeep "'and turn on the heater for a while, "'but he didn't think that was it. "'Do you hear that?' he asked. "'I listened for a minute. "'Hear what?' "'He looked from side to side. "'People, talking. "'Oh, I don't hear anyone. "'Do you think they're coming down the path?' "'No, they're all over the place, all around.' "'I thought maybe he was hearing something I couldn't "'because his hearing's better than mine. "'Do you want to go up to the next campsite "'and see if someone's there?' "'No,' he said, "'and he walked over to the hollow of the tree. "'He started walking around the campsite, "'looking around, saying, "'Something's not right here.' "'I convinced him to sit down "'and eat some hot food "'that I'd put over the campfire, "'but even throughout, but even still, throughout the meal, "'he kept turning his head "'as if he were still hearing things. "'When we were finished, he stood up and said, "'Okay, I think we should start to take things uh, to the Jeep.' He pointed to the cooler in the chairs. If we have to leave quickly tonight because of weather, this will just make it easier. I agreed, and we decided I would stay so the campfire didn't go unattended. I'll admit that after he left, I also started to get a creeped out feeling and started pacing the site while I waited for him to return. He seemed to be gone so long. I thought maybe he had decided to get inside the Jeep and warm up for a while. But then I heard him on the trail, and I looked up to see him hurrying towards me. He was shivering. I asked if he sat in the Jeep for a while to warm up, but he shook his head no. I wasn't even gone long enough to do that. I rushed there and back because I didn't like you being out here alone. I mentioned he'd been gone much longer than it should have taken him to get there, and he looked at me strangely and insisted that he had hurried as fast as he could. He hesitated and then said quietly, I don't want you to be mad at me, but I really want to go home, like right now. He looked at the sun that was rapidly setting at this point, and there was maybe only another 40, 45 minutes of light left in the day. I don't want us in that tent when the sun goes down. It will be dark for a hell of a long time. And here, Lindsay, this is where we take your sage advice. Mm. We got the fuck out. I could actually hear your voice saying it. I told him that if this was his instinct, that of course I wasn't mad, and we should pack up and leave. He started piling snow on the fire to put it out, and I began grabbing the heaviest items out of the tent. We grabbed what we could carry, and we would have to make a second trip for the bedding in the tent that we still had to break down. Rushing through the snow, we got to the Jeep, and just as we were opening the doors, a strange car pulled into the parking area. It just stopped, and then after a few minutes, it pulled out, and then it pulled up the road a bit, and it stopped again. While we were loading up the Jeep, that other car turned around and drove back in the direction it had come from. My husband urged me to hurry back to the campsite. We had very little daylight left. Reaching the campsite, I started to take out the bedding, but he said we didn't have time and just began pulling out the tent spikes. Grab an edge of the tent and help me pull it down the path, he said. Walking as fast as possible while pulling the loaded tent through the (laughs) snowy path, we made it up the last little hill and could see the Jeep. And then that's when I noticed we had lost tent poles along the way. As I turned to go back up the hill to look for them, that strange car from before drove past the parking lot entrance, and then stopped just up the road. My husband grabbed my arm. We'll buy a new tent. Just help me get this in the Jeep. Then I want you to get in and lock the doors. Working as quickly as we could with the awkward bulky bedding because we hadn't rolled anything into bundles, we jammed it in. And as we jumped in the front seats and locked the door, that car slowly turned around on the road and headed back in the direction it had come from. Both of us were breathing heavy as my husband started the jeep and we pulled out of the parking lot We drove out of the forest in what was now total darkness We kept an eye in our mirrors looking for that car but thankfully did not see any other vehicles until we were until we were back on a well-traveled highway As we talked my husband said his feelings of depression and dread stopped once we left the forest We had a few hours to think and talk about what had happened on our drive back home our assumption was that sometime while we were in the woods hiking, that car had come through and saw, and saw our solo Jeep and decided to see if we were still there at sunset, thus indicating we would be spending the night. I'm not sure who was in that car or what their intentions were, but it certainly seemed suspect and scary to people who are not normally suspicious or easily frightened. It was the next day that a paranormal aspect was added to this strange and confusing incident. My husband, who couldn't sleep well, had gotten up early and began going through the photos he had taken. He woke me up and asked me to look at a photo and tell him what I saw. Some people see the photo and see it it immediately. Others say it's just haze from the fire's smoke. If I had not watched my husband experience what he did that night, I might think it was just a trick of the light as well. But when I put his strange behavior, the strange car, and then this photo together, it all makes me a believer. The only explanation I can come up with after our experience there and seeing this photo is that for some reason, when this spirit saw we had lit a fire and were settling in for the night, it knew it was going to go horribly wrong if we stayed overnight, and it was making my husband experience weird emotions of depression and needing to leave in order to protect us in this case i seriously think that the get the fuck out message was being sent to us by something we couldn't see with our eyes at the time and i'm very thankful my husband chose to listen to it if not for those feelings we would have been sleeping soundly with no protection except a thin tent wall and no one for quite a distance if the occupants of that strange car had decided to cause trouble It makes me wonder how many other GTFO messages are sent to people by something they can't see, but that is watching out for them. Lindsay, keep spreading the word. Get the (laughs) fuck out. Wendy. Thanks, Wendy. And then I do have the photos. Okay. Okay. So, and I'm excited to like chat through this. Okay. Okay. So the first photo that we have is like simply like, you know, the the fire and the, like you see that like smoky sort of image Uh off to the... To our right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So it, now if I saw this photo and when I did see mm-hmm. it, I was like, ah, let's just smoke. Sure. Okay. All right. So now we go to photo two where Wendy and her husband have pointed out what they see when they look at it. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the This is uh like a zoomed in of the smoke. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. And then the third one, they've like circled and highlighted what they see okay. when they look at it, which is so interesting because it's not what I see. So they see when they look at that, they see a head, front legs, and back legs. Like they see it in a shape, and I still kind of see it as just fight, like smoke from the fire.
2: Yeah, I don't. See, yeah, I don't see a human shape. Well, not even necessarily human. Just oh, I, I, I can kind of tell what they're talking. About. Like maybe somebody bending over. Well, front
0: legs, back legs, like a creature, like a four-legged... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: didn't even see their writing on that before. It's like, okay, I I see what they're saying.
0: And I like kind of see it.
2: Right, but it could also just be smoke. yeah. Right.
0: But then, okay, I was thinking about this through the lens of like our life. And I'm like, okay, this is my most trusted person. Like you are my most trusted person in life. Yeah. So if you and I, if you show me this later and you're like that combined with... Like sudden onset feelings of like, we need to get out of here, uh, something else is here with yeah. us. I'm depressed, I don't feel right. We shouldn't be here. Then that creepy ass car mm-hmm. I do feel like that car was scouting them, like was gonna uh, break into their jeep. I don't necessarily know, I don't want to take it like one step further. Kill yeah, right, but like maybe they were just like, oh my God, what idiots leaving their jeep out here unattended while they're hiking, like, you know, maybe yeah. just I don't know. Whatever, my,
2: my brain went to like a, a darker place with like maybe all the true crime I like look over. But I was just picturing like, you know, like them finding out later that numerous people have gone missing from this oh area. Gosh. And that like whoever was driving that Jeep, it's like they've been, you know, killing people and taking their stuff. And that's why this spirit, maybe it's like like a previous victim. Totally. Is now trying to like warn people there to like get out and save themselves. I don't know. I was, I was going to all kind of places.
0: It, well, it's entirely viable. And I just love like looking at it through this lens of like, you know, again, looking at those photos, I'm like, ah, it's just smoke. But then having the story to back it up. And that's how I would feel if it was you and I. Yeah. And if I showed that photo to somebody and they were like, get out of here, that's nothing. I'd be like, yeah, but you weren't there. You yeah. didn't see the look on his face. You didn't see the way he was behaving. Right, right. You didn't see this creepy ass car just kind of like, I don't know, scouting us out. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think that there are so many times that these things happen that maybe you just don't think anything of it. But mm-hmm. what about all the times that you're like, I don't know, there was something else to it.
2: Yeah. I think there is an element to so many paranormal stories of you had to be there, mm-hmm. it, 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 which is like, it's so frustrating when you're trying to communicate it. Totally. Because there's the details, but then there's the feelings you had, you know, while all this you know, was happening that it's, it's like trying to explain a dream.
0: Yes. Yes. You know, it's
2: like you just can't there's there's not the words to convey exactly how weird it was and how you're normally not like that and this is very atypical and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, we had we had a weird thing happen in the studio. Uh
2: Oh, yeah, my drink over here. Uh
0: So Dan was drinking like a green tea green tea latte yesterday and he just left the mug in here thinking like, "Oh, I'll just, you know, get it tomorrow when we record." And you can't see behind the holiday set which yes, we We realize that it's 2024, but we still have to record our 2023 December bonus episode. So (laughs) we didn't want to take it down yet. Um, So back here, you know, there's all these little doodads and whatnot. And there was this tiny little Chucky doll that's, I don't know, Chucky's probably about this size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, there's no reason why this should have happened. He was fully on one of these shelves and he, no one was in here yesterday. We weren't recording. I mean, you were working in here, but like we, Uh for half an hour you weren't in here very long mm-hmm. you would have no reason to touch anything anyways chucky this morning tyler found chucky fallen over and just yeah. floating in your matcha and, latte and
2: i remember the last thing before i left the room looking at my uh it's like a little like black rifle coffee mug that chucky fell into yeah looking at it and thinking like oh i should go clean that but then i was like you know what i had my hand full of other stuff and i'm like i'll get it tomorrow so i saw the cup as before, right as I left the room, yeah. no Chucky in it.
0: No Chucky in it. And Chucky was like, I don't want to say he was secured, like things aren't, you know, glued in place, but he was fully on the shelf. It wasn't like he was like half on, yeah. half off. He's been there for years.
2: Yeah, it was weird that he just like, yeah, just where he was was standing, it's like, you know, it's a very flat spot. Mm-hmm. He has a little base like, you know, certain little figures do mm-hmm. where it's not like he was like teetering all the time or balancing could easily fall off. And just the way he was in there, like like he dove in. Yeah. Yeah, It's weird.
0: I'm excited to talk to Logan about it after the show because yesterday he was telling me about um, he had a family member pass away this last year and another family member is experiencing what they think is like the deceased trying to like get in touch with them, like just oh, some wow. weird things happening. And so then I was thinking about this morning, I was like, oh, is he coming to talk to you now, Logan? Like, is it your turn? Like, is that, is Logie, Chucky? Logan
2: made that Chucky doll.
0: Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's Logan's turn to- be connect uh contacted by a deceased
2: family member yeah
0: which would be really exciting for him (laughs) he was saying he wished it would happen to him he was like annoyed that it was happening to this other family member he's like
2: i know him (laughs) and i've talked about that he wants to have like an intense experience you know just so it can be like oh okay yep now i'm like a true firm believer
0: i think you're both idiots
2: (laughs) to want to want to have that
0: yeah because there's no going back you guys there's no going back
2: there's yeah.
0: no going back. Okay, do you want to do some spoopy shout outs? Sure, I can start. Okay, good luck. I hope you can say names.
2: I know. Uh, yeah. This is the
0: strangest feeling I feel outside of my body right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what a start to the year. Um, but we are very happy to start the year, uh, even though the year hasn't started for us yet.
0: they are great stories. Yeah. So at, uh-huh. le- at least we started strong with the stories. I feel okay?
2: I feel like we did. Uh, I'd like to thank the following Annabelle's for supporting us here on Patreon. Uh, Logan West, burial puppy. That's a creepy uh, burial puppy. Pet cemetery. Uh, uh Tina Martin, Tricia Connor, Jeremy Kelly, Carrie Moz, uh Gabrielle Campagna, Jake House, Levi, and Austin.
0: I love the name Levi. I love yeah. that name so yeah, much. Do. I do. Uh, I would like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting us on Patreon and all the things we do even when we don't speak well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jose Vega, Elias Zuniga, Lunar Knight, uh, Lauren Christine, Noreen, mm, I don't know if it's A-Jazz or if that J is silent or if it's a yes. Jennifer, Julie Frazier, Lee Powell, Emily Lambright, and Allison Decker. And then I have a few spoopy shout outs to Carlos, my long distance twin and his fiance Paige from your little brother Gabriel. Congrats on your engagement. So proud of you guys. I love you to death. See what I did there? To Rob and Jonah from your wife and mom, Starsha, happy belated birthdays. To Kim Toomer from Connor, miss getting tacos with you, but proud of the dad that you are. To Red from Red, happy belated birthday. To Sophia from Thane and Gabriel, happy belated birthday to the best mother and wife. Hope your day was as special as you are. And thanks for your unwavering support. Love you to the moon and back. So cute. Did. Uh,
2: that is our show. If you haven't been in a while, stop by badmagicmerch.com to check out new designs. Logan constantly is sneaking into the store. And if you want uh, his latest bad magic challenge coin, you got to get in there quick because oh. they're almost gone. Oh yeah. Uh, thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scared to death You can email us for everything else. Info at scared to death Thank you to Tyler C editing, publishing today's show. Uh, helping me with my cheesecake debacle. Uh, Thank you to Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails, to book editor Drew Atana, polishing and preparing listener stories for book number five. Thank you to Molly Jane Box, finding the first story I told this week, and Sophie Evans, finding the second. We are on YouTube if you want to watch the show. We're on Facebook and Instagram, where we post pics that accompany episodes and more, at Scared to Death Podcast. We also have a private Facebook group, Creeps and Peepers, full of horror lovers. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you had a happy start to 2024. Hope, hope it's stronger than ours. Hope your brains are clear <laughs> and hope you were scared to death.
0: Bye, guys.
1: If spirits threaten
2: me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Vanish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. He only pass through,
1: but have no home here with then scared
2: to death. At Magic Productions. Oh like my fine. god, I my I am I'm so foggy brained right now too. I had the word separated in my head and I forgot that cheesecake is an actual <laughs> very common dish.
1: I and, was waiting for a Sonny Hollister reference. Ah <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cheesecake. You can live out your master chef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel.
1: Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm, as part of their mission to help voices be heard. State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators.